This is Hannah Hassler, the host of Rorschach, Your Reality. I am so glad that you're joining me today on the podcast, and I would love to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram at Rorschach, Your Reality, on the web, www.rorschachyourreality.com, and on Facebook, Rorschach, Your Reality. You'll find I have a page as well as an insiders group feel free to join the insiders group and see what I'm posting over there. I do more video content as well as some articles and updates on the podcast, of course. Let's go ahead and get started. Good morning. Today, I am going to be interviewing Danielle Desir all about her story, her life, and what she has going on. I'm super excited to introduce you to her. So Danielle, could we just start with you telling us a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you do? Sure. So I'm the founder of The Thought Card and The Thought Card really focuses on affording travel, paying off debt and building wealth. And it really follows my journey doing all these three things, sometimes at the same time, sometimes separately. But it's really, I think for me, what's important is to share how we're doing things so that people can make more informed financial decisions. So Mm -hmm. the whole point of my site, and I also have a podcast called The Thought Card, is really to help people hear the things that we're doing and hear the tips and tricks and strategies that we use and go ahead and do it even better and like make their lives more enriching in any way. Oh, I love that. And I think transparency around money can be so important because a lot of times there's a lot of like shame and confusion. And then we just feel embarrassed to even ask because we don't know what's normal or if we're really out in the weeds. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really true. And I remember like when I started my site, I randomly like started talking about my student loans. Mm-hmm. And I realized like, listen, none of my like girlfriends are even talking about their debt. And I know that they have tons of debt. Mm-hmm. So I just really like, you know, pretty much like took the bandage off and exposed mm-hmm. myself. Um, and I think that over time, a lot of people um, are now talking more about uh, more about money, the mm. good parts and the bad parts, you know, um, and I really think it's important for us to know where we stand so that we can improve if we want to. Yes. Oh, I 100% agree with that. And outside of your business, is there anything that you are super passionate about? Well, I'm really passionate about travel outside of that. Um, yeah, so travel is actually one of my, like, the things that I think totally grounds me, the thing that I look forward to uh, multiple times a year. Um, I recently just actually um, authored a new book, and um, it's an Iceland travel guide. So I've been to Iceland three times, and in the book, I really share, like, the tips and strategies for um, how do you plan an affordable and adventurous trip. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. What, what would be one quick, amazing thing about Iceland that you just feel like everybody should know? <laughs> I would say like, if you're into um, nature, like literally walking behind waterfalls, walking up to a glacier, drinking water from a spring, you know, bathing in a natural hot tub, um, a hot spring, like these are all things that you can easily do in Iceland for free, actually. Um, so I know Iceland is one of the most expensive countries in the world, but even if you're on a budget, you can, you can, there's so much you can see and do. There's a lot of culture, a lot of nature. So I've been three times, which I just cannot get enough of going <laughs> to Iceland. 
wow, oh my gosh, it makes me want to go check that out. I'll have to look at your book. Yes, yes, yes. Um, prior to the interview, you had mentioned paying off $63,000 in student loans, as well as buying a house as a single person. And those are both huge accomplishments, I think, especially in our age group. So many people are dealing with student loans, and there's a lot of difficulty around buying a house, partly because of the student loans. <laughs> um, can you share a little bit about the kind of determination and strategizing that it took to achieve those things? Yeah. So I think for me, it all really started when I sat down one day and I was like, you know what, how much student loans do I owe? So I figured out I owed 63,000 from grad school, but then I really wanted to figure out how much interest I'm paying mm -hmm. per day. For some reason, I was like, let me just figure this calculation. And I figured out I was paying $10 and 10 cents a day right after grad school with no job. I wasn't even making $10 a day at that time. I was looking for, looking for my first gig. And it made me so angry. Like, how could I have, how could I have done this? How, like, when did I do this? You know, it's just like a blur. And now I'm so responsible for this large amount. And I just really was really upset and angry. Um, and that, that anger, I used it to fuel my debt payoff journey. I said, you know what? I'm going to use my, my uh, interest rate as a way, my interest per day as a way for me to track my progress. So as I kept on paying down my debt, I would see my interest per day decrease from 10.10 to 9.10 to 8.10 to 7.10. And that really helped keep me motivated to just continuously do it. Another thing is like making sacrifices. I really had to be honest with myself. Like, is this a financial priority? If it's a financial priority, that means I'm going to have to say no to a lot of different things. Mm. And some of the no's were, you know, do I live in the city? Because I work in Midtown Manhattan. Do I live in the city or do I live at home with mom, which is about, you know, an hour and a half commute? And it was a really hard decision to make, especially in your early 20s when you're starting to make money, you want to live your life and be with friends. It was really, really hard. But I said, you know what? If I buckle down, it's not going to take me 10 years. It'll take me a fraction of that. And the more I commit to this, the faster, the faster it will go. So there were a lot of sacrifices. There were a lot of uh, moments where I cried to my mom and it was, it was really hard. But I think having the blog helped keep me accountable as well, because what I did is every quarter I would document like how I was feeling, the, the challenges that I, you know, the, the wins, the challenges, uh, what I want to do next quarter. So that really helped to keep me, um, keep me grounded. But it's, it's definitely something that I think if it is a priority, it's definitely worth it because I was able to pay off my debt six years ahead of schedule. Wow. Yeah. And how long total did it take you like from when you sat down <laughs> and figured out your, your daily interest to the total payoff? Four years. It took me four years to, uh, to pay it off. But in the meantime, like once I decided I wanted to, you know, do this debt payoff journey and I'm going to be living at home with mom, I knew that I had to also start saving for what's next after that. Because mm -hmm. I didn't want to be in my mid to late 20s. Like now that I'm debt free, I have no plan for what's <laughs> next, right? And where I live in Connecticut, it just makes sense to own a home versus to rent. Like it's cheaper yeah. to own a home. And of course you have more like ownership and equity when you own a home. So I said, you know what? I'm going to own a home. And I wanted to 
line up perfectly. So when my debt is paid off, I'm going to be able to buy a house. So in the midst of that four years, I spent about two, two and a half years saving also for a down payment on a house. Okay. Oh, wow. I love that. And I love kind of thinking beyond like, okay, once I get it all paid off, like where am I going to be? And also saving um, as you're doing that, like that was really wise. Nicely done. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know, like, where did these ideas come from? <laughs> right? But it, it's, yeah, it's sometimes you have these moments, you know, genius moments. And, and I really like to mind map, like, where am I going in the next, you know, two to three to five years? Um, I, I think the short term goals, like, it really just helps you to, you kind of like build upon them um, compared to if you're looking at where am I going to be in 10 years? Like, so much could happen. So, looking at shorter t- time frames, I think, is helpful. Yeah, I think I read, uh, there's a quote or something about that, where essentially it's like people really underestimate what they can do in the short term, like six or 12 months, and then they really overestimate what they're going to accomplish in the long term, like 10 years. <laughs> and I think, so much. That, you know, it is yeah. like, gosh, if you really look at, okay, what am I doing? Like you were, you know, even tracking by the quarter, like every three months, like what's happening um, and what are my goals and how am I growing? You can really accomplish a lot. Whereas I think a lot of us might just kind of hope to ourselves like, well, hopefully like in 10 years, these are all paid off. But then, you know, it's, if you don't really have a clear plan of action, I think there's a lot of things like the debt repayment that you can do a lot faster if you make a plan for it. And then like, yeah. And for sure, like it was really difficult thinking of $63,000 when I wasn't even making that much money when I first started out in my career, but it was so much easier to say, I'm going to pay off $3,000 in the next four months. How Mm -hmm. are we going to, how are we going to do that? Let's make it happen. So I think once you have your financial goal, break it down into smaller, more manageable chunks, and you'll be able to celebrate your wins and feel like you're actually like, you know, making progress on your goals a lot faster. Definitely. Oh, I love that. And I think that so many of us, and, and I can be included in this group, <laughs> um, kind of latch onto these limiting beliefs that we're either just good or bad at something, you know, whether that's math or skiing or budgeting. <laughs> um, so what would you say to people who feel like they're just naturally bad at money? So I would say I personally don't subscribe to the philosophy of being either good or bad at money. It's really about, for me, it's about your habits. It's about creating positive money habits around the things that you do every day. So I think for me, that moment when I came to realization that it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, like that, that that's not the most important thing is when after buying my house, I looked around, you know, beautiful house. I've just newly renovated, spent a ton of money on it. And there was no furniture because I was so tapped out from making all the repairs and I didn't even think about it. <laughs> like when you live with mom, you know, you don't even think that you need furniture because everything has always been provided for you. So that was a big mistake that I would highly recommend. Like when you're saving for a house, also save for furniture too. <laughs> Totally missed that for some odd reason. Totally missed that. So the my first year of owning a home is really hard because I was not only getting acclimated to these new bills and just like this new level of adulting, (laughs) but also like now having to buy furniture. And a lot of the 
furniture I had put on credit cards. And some of the credit cards were like interest-free, um, which was great. But some of them are like interest-free for six months. Yeah. Uh, for example, I got a bunch of like appliances at Sears and they're like six months interest-free. And I was like, no problem. I got six yeah. months. I can do it. Yeah, no. <laughs> Uh -huh. So after six months hit, it started to hit and grow and grow. And then it, it just, you know, was endless. So I really spent the first year uh, working on paying a lot of my credit card debt, furnishing my house. But in the midst of all of that, I abandoned my budget uh -huh. and I really didn't have a way to keep track of what's coming in, what's going out. And I kind of like just lost, you know, all the good habits that I had created over time. Like, how do you go from paying off debt, you know, to being a homeowner and now you're, you know, struggling? Yeah. Um, it's because I abandoned my budget and I abandoned the good habits that I had created over time. Mm. So that's why I say, even if you are quote unquote a saver or, or really good at money, like it could go away if you're not consciously consciously always working on developing even better and more productive money habits. So that's my, that's just how I, how I think about it nowadays. So I never say good or bad. It's just what are the good habits or what are the habits that you're developing that are going to bring you closer to your financial goals? Mm, oh, and I love that perspective so much. And uh, it's crazy how, how the habits that we build just day to day have this overwhelmingly huge impact on our lives, whether we intend for them to or not, <laughs> um, you know, just, just the way it works. Yeah. Yeah. So part of your journey includes reading personal development and self-help styled books. So could you talk a little about how those have impacted you? Yeah. So I think reading books is something that, because as a content creator, like I'm constantly creating content. So for a long time, I wasn't really reading books, but I listened to a lot of podcasts and in a lot of personal finance podcasts, they recommend books all the time. And what I was really looking for when I was starting to read books again was books that really talked about abundance and living abundantly and not having a mindset of just like deprivation or feeling that you can't accomplish your goals. Mm -hmm. So one of the books that I really liked was, uh, you're a badass at making money. <laughs> um, and, uh, I think it's by Jen uh, Sincero. Sincero. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. By Jen Sincero. And I read it as an audible, audible book. Nice. Um, and for me, I really, I like audible books because it's a great way for you to continue doing like working out and just kind of being on the run and still listening to uh, the words and wisdom and things like that. So I think it's a really great way um, reading books that focus on abundance. So your bad at making money is really, is a really good one that I really enjoy. Um, and a lot of personal finance podcasts I enjoy is like money nerds podcast, or uh, you can afford anything and everything, uh, that podcast, uh, choose FI. Those are some of my, my favorite, my favorite podcasts. So it's easy to kind of like infiltrate and kind of understand like what people in the personal finance are working on. Mm. Um, so that's really helpful. Yes. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, podcasts, um, audible books are so helpful if you just want to be able to get a little bit of something that has some real substance but not necessarily have to be sitting still and focusing, you know, your hands and your eyes and all of that. Um, so that's, that's a great tip. Love that. And I know that for a lot of people, um, 
there's kind of this connection between being in a really good place financially or making a lot of money and then our self-worth, not necessarily intentionally, but I think, you know, not having money or being in a lot of debt or knowing that you have no idea what's going on with your financial life can induce a lot of feelings of shame and guilt and, and negative thoughts about our self-worth. So could you talk a little bit about how those things are maybe kind of connected or even ways that we can kind of disconnect them? (laughs) Yeah, I think it's really important for us to understand like how we're feeling about ourselves. Um, Taking notice of that is really, really important. So I remember when I had sat down and figured out how much that I had and I started my job, for some reason, like I just felt like I couldn't make any more money than what I was making at the time. So this was maybe around like 2000, you know, 2012, 13. And the gig economy and side hustling wasn't really that big of a thing then back, you know, back then or not in my circles. So I felt like I couldn't make any more money. I was like, okay, this is the only thing that I can do. Um, But over time, by working on just like my passions, I was able to monetize my passions, which showed me, hey, it is possible to do something that I had a limiting belief of. So I would say if you have a limiting belief that's, you know, making you feel like you're not worthy, just take a notice of it and try and take little steps to see if you can crush it and smash it. So (laughs) now, because I was able to make a dollar out of my, you know, nine to five, I feel like I could make a million at one at some point, you know? So it's (laughs) funny how the little steps that you can take to address those or to like to test those or challenge those limiting beliefs can really help to open, open you up. And, and I think that definitely feeds into the financial aspects as well. Hmm. Oh, definitely. And yet, so interesting, you know, when you talk about, Oh, reaching this mental mentality or, or kind of this feeling of I can't make any more, like I'm tapped out or I'm just kind of capped here. Like now what? And I think, you know, I love that you were able to take, something you're really passionate about and develop that into an income stream. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of people desire, but it can, it can be hard to achieve. Do you have any thoughts on how kind of your, your blog or, or the podcast, how you started to be able to make income off of those? Yeah. So I think it's really about providing value. So a lot of times, like when you're providing value, you're actually like helping people to, transition from one point to another. And from that value exchange, like eventually you'll get something back in return. So it, it might not necessarily be like hard, cold cash, mm-hmm. but it could be like opportunities. Maybe you get mm-hmm. to speak on stages or maybe you get to uh, lead a tour or do something that perhaps you might not have otherwise if you didn't have this body of work online. Um, so I think, you know, monetization, of course, like you can't pay your bills with, (laughs) you know, certain things like you need money to pay your bills, but it's just interesting how, when you just follow your passion, new opportunities come up. And as long as you're providing value and being of service, I think that there's a lot of opportunities for you to grow your income. Oh, I love that. And yes, providing value is such a, such a key element. And you had mentioned earlier that your blog is The Thought Card, and you also have a podcast under the same name. Yes, uh, correct. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh, and your tagline is Make Travel a Financial Priority, Planning, Saving, and Affording Your Lifestyle. 
And I know you touched on that a little bit in the beginning, but could you just tell us like why specifically are you so passionate about finances and then also travel? Yeah, I think for me, what's really important is that I think a lot of people in the travel space are just like travel the world. And I'm just (laughs) like, but how do you afford it? Right? Like, it's funny, because I think a lot of other people get asked that question, but no one has ever asked me like, tell me how you afford to travel because I just share everything. You know, it's not a, it's not a mystery over on my platform, uh-huh. but I, I actually immediately saw the connection. I'm like, because when I was in college, I wanted to study abroad in Paris. And when I looked at the bill, my financial aid couldn't cover it. And I knew for a fact, this was around a time of the great recession. I could not ask my mom to like take money out mm-hmm. of the you know day-to-day expenses. Um, and, you know, afford to travel Mm -hmm. for six, you know, six months in a different country. Like that's just what's out of the question. So there was a lot of fear of missing out um, when I was in in college because I was a broke college student. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. in college, it's when you're traveling for spring break and your friends are going to Cancun and Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. Um, So I definitely saw the link between, you know, you need money to travel. Mm -hmm. And regardless of what anyone says, especially on like Instagram, they're like, oh, you can travel. You need money to travel regardless. Like you can spend (laughs) less for sure, but you just need money to travel. And on my platform, it's about how do we carve in travel affording to travel when we have other financial responsibilities we have mortgages and rents and mm-hmm. leases and and we have all these goals or maybe we want to get married and, and plan an epic wedding maybe we want to like you know um, celebrate our our parents like 30 40 50th anniversary like there's a lot of financial things that we want to accomplish but you know travel is one of them so how do we make it a line item in our budget And for me, I think it's all about planning, like having a plan in place, creating a strategy and um, saving. So you actually have to put the hard cash away. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, at least, it's about a lifestyle. It's like, how do I make this part of who I am? This Mm -hmm. is part of my routine. Every year I go on X trips. I spend some time, you know, recuperating from working all the time. Um, this is it's a lifestyle. It's not just this one thing I do once a year, but something I do very often. Mm. Oh, I love that. And I really like the, the last little piece of the tagline about affording your lifestyle. Cause I think so often, I know I've been in situations where I did plan for something and I was saving for something, but then like, you know, it, I, I was maybe still able to do it, but then it created tension and stress in other parts of the budget. And like, it just, you know, it, it wasn't as relaxing as it could have been. And I think that goes back to that affording it part where it's like, Oh, you can kind of plan for something and even save for something. And I guess kind of like when you moved into the house and it's like, you plan for it and you save for it. And then like, surprise, you don't have furniture. Like, you know, it kind of this trail of like, and now there's credit cards involved and now this is messier than I thought. And like, how did this even happen? <laughs> um, and I, I think that a lot of us, whether it's, you know, related to housing or travel or something else, like we did plan and we did save and then we just fell for short on like, oh, it was actually affordable and comfortable and really workable. <laughs> that's why, that's why I love um, the podcast that I mentioned earlier is afford anything, the afford anything podcast. And her tagline is you can afford, I think is you could afford anything, but not 
everything, which means that there's a trade-off. There's a trade-off. If you work, if you focus on one thing, there's going to be a trade-off on something else. So the world is your oyster, but you have to pick and choose what you want to focus on at a certain time. Oh, I love that. You can afford anything, but not everything. And it makes total sense too. Like, yes. Oh, that's yeah. a, I mean, that's genius. It's like, yes. it's amazing. Yeah. That's a podcast by Paula Pant. So I really, I really love her, her content. Oh, I love that. I'm going to have to look that one up and I'll link that in the show notes as well with all of your stuff. Cause that's, that sounds like a great recommendation. Um, and is there a final piece of advice that you'd be willing to share with our listeners? It can be financial travel or anything else that you just want to leave us with. Yeah. So like in the same vein about affording travel and making it part of your lifestyle, the one thing I would always say is if you do want to incorporate more travel into your life, start off by making a travel, a line item in your budget. And so that means every pay period, taking some money out and putting it aside. And I personally like to have my own bank account and I call it my travel fund. And sometimes I like to be, you know, a little adventurous and might call it like Indonesia with Bay or something like that <laughs> to kind of give it like a fun nickname. And every pay period, what I do is I, I save towards travel and I don't necessarily have a trip in mind, but I always have the funds available. So if I do find a good opportunity, like a good cheap flight, I have the money to do so. So that that's my number one tip is to, you know, create travel, have travel as a line item in your budget. It could be small. Like when I first started out, I was starting out with $25 a paycheck. Um, so, but again, it adds up over time and then put that money into a separate bank account. Um, I personally like Ally Bank. Um, they, I've never had any issues with them. They have um, some really, I, I think, more competitive interest rates at this point compared to the brick and mortar banks. And uh, grow your grow your money that way. And whenever an opportunity does come, at least you have a, a stash to pull from. So always be saving for travel. <laughs> That's my tip. <laughs> Love it. And I makes me want to start right now so that whenever my next trip opportunity comes, I have a little a little stash put away for it. That's exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, Danielle, if people want to connect with you in business or life, what's the easiest way for them to do that? Absolutely. So you can head over to my travel finance blog called thoughtcard.com or you can listen or, and you can listen to my podcast called the thought card podcast. You can find it on anywhere you listen to podcasts. So Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google podcasts, Apple podcasts, all of those places. You can, um, if you do want to learn more about like traveling to Iceland and how to plan um, an epic trip, you can grab a copy of my Iceland travel guide, which is called Iceland Nature, Nurture and Adventure on Amazon. And uh, yeah, and I'm all across social media. I'm at the thought card. So you can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And uh, yeah, those are all the places that you can connect with me. Awesome. I will make sure to link all of those in the show notes so our listeners can hop on over and find you easily. And I just want to thank you again for taking the time to join me today. I love getting to chat with you. Thanks, Hannah. Thank you so much for joining us on today's show. Definitely check the show notes if you want links to either myself or today's amazing guest. 
You can like and subscribe on your player of choice. And of course, I always love if you leave a rating or review. Thanks so much. Until next time, this is Hannah. Thank you.